Hello and welcome to the Curious Choice Leader podcast. I'm your host, Becca Brito, and it's time to step into your leadership one curious choice at a time. You're brilliant at what you do and you want to keep doing it, but your success means that you have a bigger role and a team to go with it. Suddenly, you're facing a new challenge, leadership, and it's a challenge that keeps changing and evolving and growing with you. This show is dedicated to helping experts like you become the leader you want to be, to create working worlds that work for you, your business and everyone connected with it, whether it's your own business or someone else's. This first season is all about leading change. In an increasingly uncertain world, one of our few certainties is that we're going to have to lead change. We're going to get curious about change itself, about our experiences with change, and see what lessons we can learn, and then make choices about how we apply them to the next set of changes we need to make. In this episode, we're going to look at how we experience and process change. Understanding how we're reacting and how others could be reacting gives us a foundation to lead through change and to lead with empathy in what are often emotionally charged environments. Are you ready? It's time to get curious and make some choices. We all like to think we're great, or at least good, at change. It's become something of a CV cliché, and I'm not sure I can remember the last time I read a CV or an application that didn't make that claim. And it's probably not surprising, since making changes is intertwined with the role of a manager and a leader. Even if you're not leading large-scale change programmes, every manager is tasked with making something better, either making small incremental changes or large leaps. But how good are we really with change? Our recent experiences with changes forced on us by the pandemic gives us a lot of clues, and reflecting on your reactions is a really valuable exercise and one I'd encourage you to do. But it can seem a bit too big and a bit unreal, and probably a bit too recent, to seem applicable to our work and the changes we lead. So let's try a little experiment or two. It's not a secret that I'm a huge fan of coffee, and ready access to good coffee is something I take very seriously. When I moved house, my kitchen was far from perfect, but it was the room that needed the least urgent attention, so getting a coffee-making station set up was one of the first things I did. The mugs went in the glass-fronted mug cupboard, and the rest by the power sockets at the other end of the room, and so it stayed with me walking up and down the kitchen each time I wanted to make coffee, until eventually somebody suggested I move the mugs nearer to where I make the coffee, and since it seemed like a good plan, I did. Now, it's only a small change, and it's one that I'd instigated, but two weeks later, I still found myself walking to the mug cupboard and getting grumpy as I wondered where the clean mugs were. So if you want to see how good you really are with change, try rearranging your kitchen. But maybe that feels a bit drastic. Try moving things around on your desk. Or here's a fun one to try. Most people who wear trousers always put the same leg on first. So next time you put a pair of trousers on, notice which leg it is. Then the next time you go to put trousers on, Try putting the opposite leg in first and notice just how disconcerting it is. When you've tried a couple of these, ask yourself if you still think you're good with change. So let's take a look at what happens to us when we're faced with change. Here's the thing to remember. No matter how much experience we have with change or with leading change, we still experience the emotions and the processes involved with change when it's actually happening. Think of change a little bit like ice cream. Sometimes when you eat ice cream, you're going to get that ice cream brain freeze. You know, the one where your head really hurts and you have to make a conscious effort to keep breathing and you literally can't think of anything apart from how much this hurts. It can happen to anyone, no matter how good you are at eating ice cream, how often you eat ice cream or how much ice cream you eat. Trust me, I've checked that theory for you. When it comes to ice cream brain freeze, you just have to wait for your brain to thaw before you can do anything else. And it's the same with change. 
it can become the main focus of your attention and the attention of the teams around you. And we're still just at the start of the process, knowing that change is coming. Sometimes we slide right through this initial panic phase, and sometimes it takes a little longer. What's happening is that our brains are overwhelmed by the fight or flight reaction. We may get into hyperproductive mode, pushing to get things back to how they were or to what we consider normal, or we might push the change away and try denying it's happening. Either way, we're at the top of the roller coaster that is the change curve. The change curve process was first documented by psychologist Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who studied grief extensively and broke it down into five key stages. Those five stages have also been found to apply to change, which often initially feels like a loss too. Even when it's a positive change, we grieve for the things that we've stopped or lost because of it. The five stages are often displayed as a curve, a kind of lopsided smile starting high on the left-hand side with that first stage, which is denial. Then we swoop steeply down through anger and frustration, the second stage, and then get to the bottom of the curve where we find the third stage, depression. Next, as we start to move gradually up the lopsided smile and out the other side of the curve, comes bargaining. That bit where we try to work out what the change actually means for us and how we can make it work. And finally, the curve flattens out at the top again and we've accepted the change and we can start to build on it and start to perform again. Now, that all sounds very calm and ordered, but we know from our own experiences that it often doesn't feel that way. We swing around on the curve, we take two steps forward and then maybe one or two backwards again. And there's a definite period where we spin around the bottom of the curve, almost as though we were in a washing machine. Right from the start, we're all going to experience different reactions to the changes that are happening. And we're going to progress through the change curve at different paces. As leaders, we need to recognise that and we need to get curious about our own experiences of change so that we can learn to manage ourselves through future changes and so we can authentically lead our teams through with us. We're going to look at what we need to do to lead others through the change curve in the next episode. And so for now, let's focus on understanding how the process impacts us. We know the process consists of going from denial through frustration and anger to depression onto bargaining, around the loop a few times and then ultimately out the other side to acceptance and finally back to performance when we're thinking about it in the workspace. It's not realistic or even actually a good idea to expect a team to perform well while they're going through change. The goal while the change is happening is to process that change effectively. So how do we move ourselves along the change curve? Well, there's no one easy answer because it depends on you and it depends on the change. There is, however, an important concept which provides the foundation for the right answer for each of us and which as leaders makes it much less frustrating when we're leading others through change. Put simply, the concept is that while you can't control what's happening to you, you can choose how you react. It may not always feel that way and sometimes our responses to things have become so automatic that we don't see any alternatives, but we always have a choice. We won't always like those choices and the consequences that follow them, but the choice is always there. If we take the example of changes at work, if you don't like them, you could choose to try and work with those changes and make them better. You could try sabotaging them. You could choose to do nothing. Ultimately, you could choose to leave the company. The consequences of your choices will vary depending on how you react. You may not see all of that list as choices, but what's really happening when you do that is your brain is discounting them because of the consequences, even before you've acknowledged that they're an option. So how does this work, knowing that you have a choice and that you can choose your reaction when faced with any change? Well, at any point in time, you can go one of two directions. You can avoid and abdicate, or you can get curious about your situation and make choices. Let's work each of those options through. 
When you take the avoid and abdicate route, what happens initially is that you wait and see what's happening. And sometimes this can be a really good thing. If you've got ice cream brain freeze caused by change, doing nothing while it thaws is a good choice to make. However, if you continue to avoid and abdicate, you'll find yourself saying things like, I can't do this, I won't do this, and making lots of excuses about why you're not engaging with the change. Ultimately, you'll start blaming others and taking no responsibility for what's happening. You'll become a victim of that change. In terms of what's happening on the change curve, people who get stuck in avoiding and abdicating are going to, at best, get stuck at the bottom of the change curve in depression. Not a great place to be. If you think about the changes that you've experienced, I'm sure you can think of people around you who've ended up appearing to be victims of that change. The alternative is you get curious and you make choices. This starts with recognising that the change is happening and investing time to getting to understand what is changing and why. Maybe this will lead to finding some positive things about the change. And while it won't stop you going through that steep slope of the change curve, it will speed things up and it'll enable you to embrace the change sooner. As you embrace the change and keep exploring what's happening, the bargaining and acceptance phases of the change will have more positive outcomes more quickly. By getting curious and making choices, you'll be finding solutions and making things happen. Things will be happening because of you. And that's what we as leaders want and what our teams need. If you think about yourself or the people you know and how they've responded to change, you'll probably find examples of this in action. And if you want to look at some external examples, take a look at how different world leaders communicated about what was happening with coronavirus. You could, for example, compare Jacinta Ahern's so this is happening and this is what we're doing approach with Donald Trump's blame China approach. Okay, so in this episode, we've looked at how good we really are with change. It's something we put on our CVs, but no matter how much change we've been through, we can still get tripped up by it. And we can still get an initial ice cream brain freeze when there's lots of change going on. If you try one of the little experiments I outlined earlier and reflect on your personal reactions to the COVID pandemic, you'll see how you react to both small and large changes. We're living through a huge immersive experience of change at the moment, and it's an opportunity for us all to learn a lot. We looked at the change curve, how our reactions change over time from initial denial through frustration and anger, depression, bargaining and then acceptance. And only when we get to acceptance are we able to perform again. And then we looked at how we can choose our reaction to the situations we find ourselves in. We can avoid and abdicate, ending up as the victim of change, or we can get curious and make choices and end up leading and making things happen. The choice is, as they say, yours. The things I've shared are based on my experience and the experience of people I've worked with. Some will be more relevant to you than others. It's up to you to decide what you take and apply from this episode. That's what Curious Choice Leadership is all about. Getting curious, building our understanding, then evaluating what we find and making choices about what's right for us and our businesses. And the questions I'd like to leave you with are what have you learned about yourself and your reaction to change? And then how are you going to apply what you've learned? If you enjoyed the show and found it valuable, I'd love it if you'd subscribe and then rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts. When you rate and review the show, you help more people find it and step into their leadership one curious choice at a time. You can find the show and all the episodes and show notes, as well as more information on becoming a Curious Choice Leader by visiting thecuriouschoiceleader.com. Thank you for listening and I look forward to talking to you next time.